Thank you, James. As we hear in the Psalms, we hear in the prophet today. And we hear this promise from God and these difficult words from the Lord. And so we turn to Micah chapter 2 this morning with an important word from the Lord, one that's not always easy to hear. And so we'll hear it together this day, beginning in the first verse. Woe to those who despise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it. Because it is in the power of their hand, they covet fields and seize them, and houses and take them away. They oppress a man in his house, a man in his inheritance. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, against this family I am devising disaster, from which you cannot remove. You cannot remove from your neck. Therefore, says the Lord, behold, in that day they shall take up a taunt song against you and moan bitterly and say, we are utterly ruined. He changes the portion of my people, how he removes it from me. To an apostate he allots our field. Therefore, you will have none to cast the line by lot in the assembly of the Lord. Do not preach, thus they preach. One should not preach of such things. Disgrace will not overtake us. Should this be said, O house of Jacob? Has the Lord grown impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? But lately my people have risen up as an enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by trustingly with no thought of war. The women of my people you drive out from their delightful Houses and their young children, you take away my splendor forever. Arise and go, for this is no place to rest because of the uncleanliness that destroys us with a grievous destruction. If a man should go about in utter wind and lies, saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink, he would be the preacher for this people. I will surely assemble all you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like a sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. Their king passes on before them. The Lord at their head. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. As we continue in this series in the prophet Micah today, I begin with a confession and a word of warning. First, the confession. No one likes to preach from Micah too. And I can prove that somewhat. You do a little Google search. You won't find too many sermons out there of maybe some of your favorite preachers of late or even some of those of old as I discovered after studying the text to hear what others had said about this text, most folks just go straight to verses 12 and 13 where the gospel promise is and conveniently leave off verses 1 through 11. Now, that's not totally true. It's not like there aren't commentators and lectures out there including those of Martin Luther, but the point is this. 
there are some hard words coming. And we, before we can get to verses 12 and 13, we have to get through verses 1 through 11. And we'll do that together with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, we'll go in reverse back to Micah's time and before and fast forward to our own time and see what it has to say to us. And as we go back and forth, reverse and fast forward, don't let your internet get you stuck, you know, buffered in between. What I mean by that is, you know, when you fast forward or you rewind and you get buffered and you get stuck, you might get stuck by some of these texts. Some of them might be something that you want to say amen to. And other things you're like, I'm not so sure about that. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you in the full counsel of God, one way or the other, as you hear from Micah this morning. Don't get buffered in the text. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. And let's begin by going backward and rewind. Rewind back to the beginning, back to where this split first takes place. And if you recall what I'm talking about from last week, the split, I mean, Israel is no longer one nation. It's now by the time Micah is preaching, almost 200 years of brokenness, 200 years of a nation torn into two. Israel to the north now with its capital Samaria and Jerusalem and Judah to the south. And these two nations of one people, though, broken apart. And it was broken 200 years before. Let's rewind even more. Back right after Solomon passed away and his sons were left to run the kingdom. He had many sons, but Rehoboam was in line to become the next king. And his brother Jeroboam was right there. They had different moms. Nama for Rehoboam and Zeruf for Jeroboam. And no surprise, both of their mothers thought they should be king, right? Well, Rehoboam wasn't just handed the keys of the kingdom. Several elders, including Jeroboam, wanted to negotiate the terms of his kingship. Rehoboam wasn't expecting that. And as they negotiated those terms, at first the elders came to Rehoboam and encouraged him to go back to the covenant with God. The covenant that had been forgotten in recent years. And to remember the dignity that God had for his people as we read in the Ten Commandments. Rehoboam said, well, I'll think about that. And then he chatted with some of his buddies that he grew up with, his new advisors. And they said, come on, Rehoboam, you're the king, do what you want. They can't tell you what to do. Guess who he listened to? And so then, and there begins the split. And like a lot of family matters, it's complicated. It's not just quite as simple as I made it out to be because as it turns out, Jeroboam, his brother, was no cupcake either. And he went on to be the first king of the northern kingdom there in Israel. And both of them listened based on their own covetous heart. 
Fast forward 200 years to Micah, and he preaches there in verse 2 about those covetous hearts, seeking our own desire at the expense of others, and most certainly at the expense of God's word. He's still calling people here, Micah is. Two centuries after Rehoboam first turned away from the covenant, turned away from the invitation to wise counsel. Now fast forward 28 more centuries. And guess what? We're doing the same thing still today. We're listening to the wrong voices and it's separating us from God. Micah chapter 2 is not a course on social and religious ethics, although we'll hear some of that. It is instead about a covenantal relationship, our identity in Christ, in God, a covenant relationship with God himself. Now, now you get this. You, you know what I'm talking about. You know how crucial relationships are. You know that, you know, for example, when mom's not happy, no one's happy, right? When your most important relationships aren't right, it impacts everything else, doesn't it? When those closest to you, when it's not working, everything else feels broken, even if other things are going right. And this is so much more true for us in our relationship with God. So much more true for us in our relationship with God. And so Micah says, because this covenant relationship has been broken, judgment is coming. And if that's not hard to hear, here's something really unpopular. Don't throw fruit at me. I didn't say it. It's from the Bible. Did you know that Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven? Did you know that Jesus wasn't trying to be a downer and neither is a Micah? He wanted us to know the consequence for both the hell that our brokenness is bringing to this world and to us and to our lives now and in the future. Hell on earth and hell in eternity because we live a self-centered, covetous life in our hearts. And he used, Jesus did, a vivid picture of burning garbage to show how it would be like for us. And so, Micah invites us not to be apostates, as Jesus invites us to not do. That is, apostasy, as the Hebrew word means, to turn away from God. Instead, Micah and Jesus, more importantly, invites us to turn towards God, which literally means repentance. So this begs the question, who are you listening to? Who am I listening to? Let's explore that for just a moment. Have you ever disagreed with someone only to find out later that they were right? Ah, aggravating, huh? I mean, especially if it's your parent or your boss or your spouse or your friend. But just like a good parent or a good friend or a good boss or a good spouse 
who tell us the truth even when we don't want to hear it. God does that for us. What about God? What about his word? Have you ever find it and found yourself disagreeing with something in God's word? Like, I'm not sure I like that. Well, you shouldn't be surprised. Because let's face it, if you agreed with and, and felt comfortable with every word in the Bible, then chances are it wouldn't be the Bible you'd be reading. You'd be making yourself out to be God. Of course, he is God and we are not, so we come under him. So often we assume that, well, we're the ones that are right. We know more than God, like Rehoboam, like those that Micah preached to, like Adam and Eve in the garden, like you and me. And so, as we hear from Micah today, we have to think about our own hearts and to listen carefully to what God is saying to us. We often go after so many good things. Now listen, some of us, some of us think, well, maybe the meaning and purpose of life is, is for me to be good. To live a good life is to be a good person and to, to be a good employee and to be a good father and to be a good wife and be a good husband and all of these good things. If I'm just good, then that'll, that'll get me to heaven or that'll get me to God. And believe me, there are a lot of good things about that, being a good citizen and good servant. There's so many good things. And then there's some of us who think, ah, I think that's not quite it for life. I think to really know and to do life is to be free. To be free. To live my best life. To be who I am. That'll make the best impact in the world. And that's the way to live. But whether your pursuit as one commentator put it, is to be good or to be free. The reality is, when even if you look at your own standards, much less God, you find out that you miss the mark on both counts and you end up instead being trapped. Now let's rewind back into Micah. That trap... That doom, that listening to the wrong voices led to destruction. Not unlike if you had a cardiologist that said, go ahead, have as many green chili cheeseburgers and french fries as you want. It's no problem. Right up until the time that your heart says there's a problem. And when we listen to false teaching and false preachers like Micah was railing against here, just like in my heart example, it's time for a new doctor. It's time to listen to a new preacher, one who preaches the true word of God. Not just, as Micah said, what you want to hear, but the truth. And so he called those kind of preachers deadly, deadly to the heart, just as deadly to the heart as that false cardiologist. I get it. It's hard to deal with hard truth. I grew up in a loving family, a very loving family, but that loving family had a whole list of unspoken rules that we weren't supposed to talk about. It gives me heebie-jeebies even to say it in public because I love my family, but those conversations were a lot harder to have when we had them years later when I was an adult. 
So let's listen to God's word carefully now as we dig into these verses very quickly but carefully. We're going to rewind and fast forward in these verses in Micah and hear why these folks were judged, why exile was coming. And I know, now don't get buffered. This is the place that you might get buffered because there are sins that we agree with. Yeah, let's bring down the hammer. And there are sins that we're like, oh, I think that needs mercy. I'm not sure about that one. And chances are one or more of the sins that Micah lists, you'll agree with him on. And some maybe you're like, oh, I wish that makes me feel uncomfortable. But we need to hear the full counsel of God here. So let's rewind. Micah says to the house of Jacob and indicts it for having a faulty theology that leads to social injustice. What he's saying is, is that the brokenness in their society had to do with their broken relationship with God. Fast forward now to look at our own broken world today. The social problems that we face are an outgrowth of a heart problem not centered on the one true God. Let's rewind again. He exposes the war against, of the powerful against the powerless. He describes, as you dig in, you'll find out when he talks about gathering in the morning that they were using the court systems to take advantage of uh, the less powerful and take their land. These were... These were unethical business real estate deals is what we're talking about here. And so Micah is condemning them for their unethical lack of love for their neighbor practices. Technically, they might have been within the law, but he said, no, they were breaking the covenant. Fast forward, theologian Sally Brown captures it for us today when she imagines a prosperous business persons today about to toast for their great efforts of dealing with a volatile market and making money, but unfortunately on the backs of their clients. In that circumstance then, as she paints the picture, a messenger comes running in and says, I've got an announcement, a funeral announcement. Who's theirs? That's what Micah's doing. Rewind. In Hebrew, Micah is literally preaching a funeral dirge. But that's not all. Micah goes on to say in verse, verse 9 that they are driving out Israel's mothers, the beloved moms, and their children, plundering their children. Fast forward. We do the same today when we ignore human trafficking in favor of our addiction to pornography or ignore millions of unborn babies in favor of the convenience of sex outside of marriage. Rewind and fast forward now. Micah rakes the powerful over the coals and all those who have callous hearts. Some of these sins we have been callous towards, and that's where we need to hear the word of God speak to us and lead us from apostasy of turning away like Rehoboam and turning back like Hezekiah would, one of the kings. 
But Micah wasn't just wasn't just talking about then. He was talking about an eternal kingdom. And so scholars like Martin Luther and, and scholars today all agree that Micah's message went well beyond a reprieve or a return from exile that would come later, but was speaking about his present day and our past for our future. He was speaking about the promised Messiah. He preaches a gospel when he finally gets to verses 12 and 13 of wondrously amazing grace, raising high the hopes of God's people, having first driven them to their knees in conviction of sin, as one author put it. So who will you listen to? Will you be like Rehoboam? Will you be like Hezekiah? Will you be an apostate and turn away from God? Or will you repent and turn back towards God? Thanks be to God, this message doesn't stop in verse 10 or 11. Because in verse 12, we hear of a shepherd, a good shepherd, sound familiar? Who gathers his sheep, who gathers his sheep who are trapped and can't get out. But what does this good shepherd, this Messiah, this Jesus who... Micah is pointing to, and whom we now know, he says he breaks through. He breaks through in a way that we can't be good, breaks through in a way that we can't have freedom without him. And so because of his goodness, now we become good. Because of his freedom, we now have the gift of freedom. Listening to this way to life leads us not to turn away, but to repent and return to this great life. Imagine now a world where Christians stood up for the brokenhearted and lived in a society that embraced all of God's commands in the Ten Commandments, not just the ones we like. Jesus is our way breaker. He restores relationship. He restores our hearts. He deals with the wages of sin, which is death. But instead, for all those He does the impossible and brings about eternal life. And then, of course, that leads us, has implications for how we live now, doesn't it? It has implications for how we live in into eternity. It has implications for evangelism because we can let folks know that there is one who's busted through. He's a way breaker. He's made the impossible possible and we can follow him and we can bring others with us and we can stand in the gap for those who are oppressed we can think of some of the saints who have gone before us some of those heroes of the faith like mother Teresa, or those who've stood on god's word like martin luther or we can think of folks around us here that have cheered us on the faith And we can continue to do the same in our mission partners like Faith Comes by Hearing or or serving those in need like Feed New Mexico Kids or Common Hope and our sponsor Palooza or what you do in your home or in your office. Jesus is the way breaker. And maybe you're thinking, it's too much. He can't do it for me. Yes, he can. Well, you don't know the, 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 the wall in my path. No, but Jesus does and he can break through. One thing is for sure, we don't have to work to be good or work to be free. 
we can now receive it as a gift and participate in God's goodness and participate in God's freedom because he busts through, he makes way the path, he leads us. Friends, Jesus is the way maker. He's the way breaker. Our king goes before us and he leads the way. May we seek and follow. In Jesus' name, amen.